Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. How are we today? Good. I'm probably just going to address uh, the elephant in the room, and some of you may be looking at me going, wow, Pastor Ross's de-aging creams work to treat. Uh, No, I'm I'm the son of Pastor Ross, and let's get it out of the way. I do look a lot like my dad. We we know, right? We get it at this point. I feel like every conversation now at this point, when I speak to someone, the first thing they always say is, you look a lot like your dad. And you know, it's true. I even, I almost bring it up first at this point now. Funny story, a funny story, actually, my uh, nana was in the hospital recently, and uh, I went to visit her with, with my mum, and for the whole time she thought it was my dad who was with her the whole time. How funny is that? Nana, if you're watching, I'm sorry for embarrassing you. Um, but that, I guess that just shows what it's like. But um, I guess that tells you a bit about who I am, so introduce myself. I grew up in this church. As I said, I'm, I've been part of this church um, from kind of birth till the age of 18. So if some of you don't know who I am, and that's because when I was 18, I moved to Australia. I went to study at a Bible college in Sydney. I met my amazing wife, Jess, over there, who sat here on the front row. And since we've kind of been a bit uh, all over, we've been in Sydney. And then in 2018, we moved back to Birmingham and helped out with church in Birmingham. Um, and then recently, we've decided that we're actually going to be moving back to Sydney in, in May this year. But we thought we'd be back in Scunthorpe, back uh, home for a, kind of for a bit of time before that. Because uh, no matter where we've gone and where I've been, I've always seen New Life as home. I've always seen this place as home. And um, <laughs> goodness me. Now, I really feel I have a message for you today, a message from God. So... Let's just give this time to God right now. So why don't we pray before we get into it, amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're here to speak to us, that you're here to work through us, and that we believe, Lord, that you have something to say to us today. Lord, so let it not be my words that are spoken, but let it be yours. And Father, for us who are here today, let's just prepare our hearts to hear your word, to receive it, and to take something from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the title of my message today, as you can see, is Knocked Off Your Pedestal. Knocked Off Your Pedestal. Now, some of you may have heard that phrase that way. You may have heard it said a few different ways. Knocked down a peg or two, brought back down to earth, you know, humbled a little bit. Knocked off your high horse, maybe. Anyone ever experienced that kind of feeling before in this place? Yeah. I like to see that a lot of people who have a partner or in a relationship immediately put their hands up. Because as we all know, now that I'm a married person, uh, we know that our partners love every opportunity to knock us off our pedestal or knock us down a peg or two. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a nice feeling, really, is it? It's not a nice feeling to be knocked off. And I wanted to share uh, a quick story where I got knocked off my pedestal a bit and kind of how that came about. Um, And this story kind of starts this year, actually. Um, I've actually started going to the gym this year. I know, I know, impressive, right? 
And it's the first time I've been to the gym in 10 years, over 10 years. It's been a long, long time. And I know you're probably looking at me and thinking, Jordan, there's no way. Look at your chiseled physique. There's no way this is the first time you've been to a gym in over 10 years. But I kid you not, it is. Um, but in, in all seriousness, um, I was at a point where I was feeling pretty unfit uh, and pretty unhealthy. And I thought, why not? You know, the whole new year, new me. Why not? Let's, let's start going to the gym. And, uh, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to go and, and make it happen, right? So I, um, you go to kind of sign up for the gym, right? So various gyms, you'll have a little sign-up process or a registration form. And um, I'm not going to tell you which gym I'm at as well, but, you know, some of you have seen me around there. And, um, but when you go to fill out your registration form, you, you do all your standard stuff. You put your name, your address, and you know, next of kins, which I always find is a bit scary when you put a next of kin down on a gym form. Um, but right at the bottom of the form, it has a tick box with three options. A tick box with three options. Now, those options are beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And essentially, it's assessing what your experience level with gymming is. Um, and there's a reason they do that. It's, it's a good reason, really. It's because they understand if you tick beginner, then they can tailor the gym experience around your experience, right? So what they kind of put in the disclaimer is that if you tick beginner, then they're going to assign a personal trainer with you for your first few gym visits to kind of show you the ropes, show you how to use the machinery, show you how to not hurt yourself, pretty much, show you how to do everything properly, give you a workout plan, show you the right form of how to do things, and actually someone to actually depend on who can help your experience be the best it can be. Makes sense, right? So as we've already kind of established, this is the first time I've been to a gym in over 10 years. So what level do we think I'm at? Beginner. Beginner. What level do you think I ticked? I wish I could tell you it was intermediate. Uh, <laughs> I ticked advanced on the form. I ticked advanced on the form. And yeah, why? That's a really good question, right? Why did I tick advanced? I think probably in reality, there was a couple of reasons. I think mainly my pride kind of got in the way a little bit. And I thought, I don't want to be that person. I'm, a, you know, I'm 27 years old. I don't want to be that 27-year-old who's getting escorted around a gym by a personal trainer. We already know what the gym environment's like anyway. You're going to have these big people with biceps the size of your head looking over at you. It's going, oh, what's he, you know, he clearly he's a beginner. He doesn't know what he's doing. I didn't want that kind of embarrassment over me. I didn't want to have that. And, and realistically, I thought, you know, even though it's been the first time I've been in 10 years, I think I know what I'm doing. I think I know what I'm doing. I think I know how to get a good workout at a gym. I'll, you know, I can recall some of the things I did 10 years ago. It's just as simple as lift put down, right? It's, it's pretty basic. I don't, you know, I'm not going to admit that I'm a beginner. I think I can kind of make it myself. I think I can kind of do this independently. I think I can kind of do this my own way. And uh, you know what? For the first couple of weeks, it was actually going all right. Look at me. Advanced gymmer over here. <laughs> Lifting my weights, you know. You do the old classic thing when you lift the weight, and if some people know, so you, then you put the weight down, then you, you move the notch to like a real high weight. So that the next person thinks you're like, absolutely. <laughs> don't pretend you don't do that if you go to the gym. We all know you do that. But, I, you know, I thought things were going pretty well. I was going to the gym, I was doing my workouts, I felt like I was getting stronger and I was getting fitter. I've got this. I've got this, right? I'm advanced. 
You know, I started getting a bit, you know, started getting on my pedestal a little bit, getting, a, you know. But it all quickly came crashing down. Within a couple of weeks, I started to realize that all the real advanced gym people are doing what's called free weights. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with kind of most gym settings, in the weight category, you've got your machine weights or your controlled weights, and you've got your free weights over here. Now, I think the reason I was probably getting by and doing my thing is because I was pretty committed to the controlled machine weights. So if ever my strength gives out or ever anything kind of goes awry, um, the machine's there to kind of alleviate the problem, right? The machine's there to stop me from hurting myself, right? But I was starting to notice, going, oh, actually, these, you know, the, the people with the biceps the size of your head, they're the ones who are doing the free weights over here. They're the ones who are, you know, really, really you can tell they're really strong, right? So there you go, well, if I want to get that strong, I probably need to go do the free weights. But that's quite a different level because if things go wrong, there's nothing to save you from that. There's nothing to help you out of that situation, really. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I planned it in a way where I will go on a really quiet day, really quiet time, so no one can see me if I mess up. And so I planned out in my head. I've been observing him for a while. I'm thinking, right, I can do this. I'll, I'll, I'll try out the free weights. And so it's all going to plan so far. I get in on one of the days. It's really quiet. No one else is around. So I think, right, here we go. And I head over to the bench press area. Now, the bench press is where you have kind of a bar. You have the weights on the end. And you lay flat on your back underneath the bar. And you lift up the weight. And you, you know, all that kind of side of stuff, right? We're all kind of roughly familiar with that is. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start with this. And you know what, I'm not going to be too cocky about it. Um, I'll put some relatively low weights on either end. I'll put some relatively light weights on, the, on each end so that I know that, you know, when I lift, I can do it really easily. And people can look over and go, wow, he's so strong. Look at him lifting that way. You know? So I put the light weights on. I go down. I lay underneath. Get ready. Put my hands up on it. And when I think that I'm supposed to be pushing upwards, I'm quickly realizing the bar's coming back down towards me. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, that's, that's all right. No, don't worry. The bar's still coming back down towards me. I'm trying to push with all my might, all my strength. And that bar is coming the wrong way. As you probably should know, the bar should be going away from me, not towards my neck, where it's going to choke me. Uh, and, I'm, and at this point, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I'm starting, to, I'm panicking at this point. So I'm thinking, right, I need to put every ounce of my body into moving this way, because they have these safety hooks you can just hinge the bar on, right? So I'm literally squirming around, <laughs> trying to <laughs> lifting this bar over onto these safety hooks, right? Just absolutely squirming around, going red in the face, and I'm sweating. And I'm just thinking, what a sight that would be if someone looks over and they're thinking, oh, someone is having a fit over on the bench press over there. Just me just squirming around, trying to lift. But nothing is giving. Nothing is giving. My strength is clearly not what I thought it was. My strength was giving way, and that bar was coming the wrong way, and I was going to be in trouble pretty soon. Now, fortunately, when I say fortunately, fortunately in hindsight, uh, but maybe not so fortunately in the moment, there was a personal trainer <laughs> walking through the gym at the time, probably the person I should have been with from the start. And uh, he quickly sees my distress, this young mid-twenties man squirming away, red in his face, trying to move a really light weight off of himself. And he comes over. 
and he just goes, and he had to show off one hand. <laughs> Looks me up and down. And he just says to me, you don't really know what you're doing, mate, do you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Goodness me. That's a way to knock you off your pedestal, right? That's a way to humble you. That's a way to knock you down a peg or two. It's not a nice feeling, is it? We all know that. It's not a nice feeling when that happens. But yeah, I feel like we see in Scripture that there are occasions, seasons, moments where Jesus seems to knock us down off our pedestal. Why is that? We see in, this, in the Bible, we see there's times where Jesus refers to us quite openly as sinners, unworthy servants. One of Jesus' chief followers, Paul, spends a good deal of the book of Romans reminding us of the fact that we've all fallen short and sinned of the glory of God. That no one is righteous, no one is worthy of God's goodness. That's tough to take. But then you're going, but Jordan, no, 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 no. But Jesus says, I'm chosen, right? I'm one of his, I'm chosen by God. You know, I'm I'm a child of God. I'm adopted into sonship. We can read scriptures like in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Where it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And we read that and we go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's who we are, right? And Jesus' Jesus' response to that is, yes, you are. Yes, you are this. But sometimes you need to recognize you're also this. How do we deal with that? Because it's not a nice feeling. I want us to turn to a scripture in the Bible, because there's no better place to turn to than the Bible, where, where Jesus knocks someone else off their pedestal a bit. And we're going to kind of explore that and see how that applies to us even a bit more. And it's in Luke chapter 18, if you've got your Bibles, verses 18. And it says this, A certain ruler asked him. Now, this ruler is referred to in the other Gospels as rich, young. So let's just call him a rich, young ruler for the sake. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad or sorrowful, as some translations say. Because he was very wealthy. 
Jesus looked at him and said to him and those around, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's a tough scripture, right? It's a tough passage of scripture because we probably have some empathy for this rich young ruler. Because it seems that he's got good intentions. He comes to Jesus and he wants to know, how can I inherit eternal life? How can I be saved? How can I be fulfilled? Seems to be good intentions, right? And we probably see that he seems to be a good person as well. Jesus asks him, you've kept these commandments, right? You've kept these commandments. And he, he says, yes, I've kept, the, kept them all since I was a boy. But then immediately after that, Jesus demands everything from him. Everything. That despite that, Jesus looks at him and says, you still lack this. Give everything away. Give everything away. That's quite hard to take. That perhaps actually Jesus was knocking this man off his pedestal by asking him to give away or to have things taken away from him that he's put his dependence in, he's put his strength in, he's put his trust and hope in, that have been constants in his life. That's really going to knock you down a bit, isn't it? And maybe we can relate to that. Because maybe we go to Jesus and there's seasons in our life where we go, Jesus, well... I feel like I've got good intentions. I feel like I'm a good person. I've come to follow you, so why are you asking me of these things? Why do you want to take these things or want me to give up these things that I've depended on, that have been constants in my life, that have helped me, that have been there for me? Maybe those things could be a career certain relationships. There's probably things going through your head right now, maybe where you've experienced that yourself. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's social status. Things that have been constants for us, and Jesus says, give it all away. Or give that away. That's quite hard to take. And understandably, you probably go, well, the rich man goes, I can't do that. Maybe we go back and we go, we can't do that. And then even after that, Jesus then puts him really in his place because he looks at him, so says to him, it's going to be hard for you to enter the kingdom of God. In essence, he tells him, when you think you could have done this for yourself, I'm telling you, you can't. You're not good enough by yourself. We'll get to that bit. To enter the kingdom of God. He puts him in his place. And so we read this passage. 
And probably all we can think of is we're relating to this rich man and we're maybe thinking of times in our lives where Jesus has demanded things from us or things have been taken away from us that we've depended on. And maybe we've read these scriptures and gone, oh gee, why are you calling me a sinner? Why are you, why are you trying to knock me off my pedestal? It all seems quite harsh. It all seems quite unfair. But I think what we're going to get to is that there's a purpose behind this. There's a reason behind this. And I actually love, in this passage of scripture, when it's told in Mark, one thing that I really love is that actually Jesus, when he looks at him and says to him, he actually says he loved him first. He loved him and then said to him. That there's, actually, Jesus isn't doing this for no reason, just to knock us down for no reason, that there's love behind it. There's purpose behind it. That actually we've been given the intolerable privilege of being loved by God. So what is that purpose behind it? Well, let's maybe discover some things about the rich man, the young ruler, and how he relates to us. And maybe that will give us a clearer understanding of why Jesus needs to knock us off our pedestal. Is that all right? Amazing. So the first thing that we discover about the rich young man in this passage is that he's independent. He's independent. What do I mean by that? Well, in this day and age, this rich young man probably never was at a point in his life where he had to worry about the next meal that would come, or he had to worry about the clothes that were on his back or he had to worry about where he was sleeping that night, or he had to worry about uh, the people and the place that was around him. But a lot of people in this day and age, they had to go day by day relying on God. They had to go day to day relying on God. And this rich man had almost got himself to a place where he was no longer dependent on God because he seemed to have everything around him. He could put his strength, he could put his hope, he could put his trust in the things that he'd achieved, that he'd accrued, or so he thought. Because I think the big mistake we can make with this passage of Scripture is that we can read it in two ways. We can look at it and go, oh, rich man. And when Jesus says, oh, the rich will never inherit the kingdom of God, it will be hard for them to inherit the kingdom of God. And we can read that going, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't apply to me. Or maybe you can panic a little bit and maybe one of you wins the lottery tomorrow and then you go, oh my gosh, I'm rich. What am I supposed to do with myself now? No. I think what Jesus is actually referring to more here and what this rich young man represents is he's a man independent from God. He's a man who we most likely assume was an Israelite. He was one of God's chosen people. And probably all the things that he'd received in his life, all the wealth, all of the riches, all of the things he could put his trust and hope in were actually given to him by God. They were favored to him by God. They were given as blessings to him by God. That God had lifted him up to a place. But because of his desire, and I think because of our natural desire as human beings to live independently. We don't want to be dependent on God. And as 
we've been lifted to this place, we slowly start to forget that it was God who lifted us to that place. It was God who blessed us. It was God who got us to that place. And we create a pedestal for ourselves where we think, I got myself here. Look at me. Man, I, I did this. I did this by myself. We start to put our trust in, and strength in ourselves, in what we've done or what we think we've done, and we neglect and forget that it was actually God who lifted us to that place in the first place. So when we say things like, I'm a child of God, I'm a royal priesthood, yes, you are, but do you remember why you are that? That all of those places are actually a place that has been given to you by a higher power. And maybe we forget that actually we are a child of God. So when God says you are a child of God, but do you remember why you are? Do you remember why you're my royal priesthood? Do you remember why I've favored it? Or do you think you've done this yourself? Do you think that you're independent of me? And so what does Jesus do in response to that if we then have created this pedestal to ourselves, to our own pride, to our own things that we've accrued, that we've depended on? Well, Jesus in his love has to come and knock us off of that. He has to come and knock us off of that. And we see that in this passage of scripture, that he knocks us off of that because it gets in the way of us putting God first in our lives. That I, find it, I find this really interesting that when Jesus challenges this rich young ruler, the first thing he obviously asks him when he comes to him says, how can I inherit eternal life? He asks him, did you keep these commandments? Now what's interesting is all the commandments that Jesus asks that he kept were all from what's called the second table of the law. Now what that refers to is uh, these are the commandments that dealt with his relationship with people with other people? Have you honored your father and mother? Have you not committed murder? Everything that was to do with other people. But interestingly, Jesus didn't ask him about his relationship with God. And so Jesus' response to when he says, yeah, I've kept all the commandments that deal with people, Jesus' response is, well, sell everything you have and give to the poor and come follow me. That Jesus' response is to address what's called the first table of the law, which deals with man's relationship with God. In a way, it was Jesus' way of saying, give everything away that you have, give everything away that you've put your pride to, that you've put your independence in, that you've given yourself to, because that doesn't actually have any worth to me, and ultimately shouldn't to you. So if you give it away... What are you left with? We're left with no other alternative than to turn back to God. Than to turn back to Jesus. When the things that we've put first in our lives, ourselves, and the things we've depended on are taken away, we've been knocked off that pedestal and we're left in this lowly place, what else do we have to turn to? It's interesting, isn't it, how 
we seem to come to Jesus and we're the closest to God. I think my dad alluded to this a few weeks ago. We're closest to God when we need things of him. We're the closest to God when we're in such a desperate place that there's nothing and no one else to rely on where we've been knocked off our pedestal, where things have been taken away or God's asked things from us, when our pride has been shaken and we're left with nothing else to stand on and it's at that moment we turn to God. Isn't that interesting? But God knows and Jesus knows that actually putting him first is the best thing that we can do with our lives. I want to read just a quick quote from C.S. Lewis, which I feel like encapsulates this really well. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Now, God who has made us knows what we are and that our happiness lies in him. Yet we will not seek it in him as long as he leaves us any other resort where it can even plausibly be looked for. While what we call our own life remains agreeable, we will not surrender it to him. What then can God do in our interests but make our own life less agreeable? Make our own life less agreeable. Knock us down a bit. To us. And take away the plausible source of false happiness. That actually God knocks us off our pedestal so that we no longer put the things of ourselves first, the things we put our trust in first, but so we're at a place where we lack everything, there's nothing else around us, that all we can do is turn to Jesus. Now, why is it important that we turn back to God? That's probably the, the second point of this. Why? why is it important we turn back to God? Why can't he just leave us on our pedestal? Why does he have to bring us down to them take us there again because it's all not very nice it's all not a nice feeling being knocked off our pedestal well maybe we can pick this up by the second point the second thing we observe about this ruler we observe about this ruler that he did everything in his own strength he did everything in his own strength now because he thought he'd got himself to this place because he thought that he'd accrued everything for himself, because he thought he'd gathered this wealth and these riches, rather than attributing them to Jesus and to God and the favor of the Lord, he thought he'd done it himself. Then he thought, well, if I'm going to keep doing things, if I'm going to keep being fulfilled, I need to do that in my own strength as well. Because what we actually understand about this rich man is that he wasn't fulfilled. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to Jesus in the first place. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That wouldn't have been a question for him if he was fulfilled already, right? But what's really powerful about that is the way he even asks that question. Because he's independent or he thinks he's independent, because he thinks he's done everything by himself, and because he thinks he's done everything for himself, therefore when he's at a place where he is unfulfilled, he thinks, well, I need to do that by myself as well. I wonder if when he asked that question, I wonder if Jesus would have actually responded differently instead of, if he said instead of what must I do to inherit eternal life, what if his, 
actual question or statement would have been, Lord, how can you help me? Lord, how can you help me inherit eternal life? Now, I wonder if he said that. I wonder if the conversation would have gone quite differently. I wonder if the outcome would have gone quite differently. Because ultimately, and this gets to the point, is that when we try and do everything in our own strength, it isn't going to be fulfilling. And it's going to let us down at some point. Our independence, our pride, will let us down at some point. Just like when I'm under that bar lifting those weights, where I thought things were going well for a while, ultimately my strength let me down and I needed to get to a point where I could rely on someone else to help me. Our strength will fail us. It's kind of like a, a child who runs away from home, right, from their parents. Anyone ever done that here yourself? Have you ever, anyone ran away from home when you were a kid? It's like a child who runs away from home. It's almost like the child thinks that, well, I don't need mum and dad, or I don't need my parent or parents. I can do this by myself. I can do this in my own strength. And you find very quickly that they walk out the door with the, you know, I just picture like a cartoon when they've got that little, like, you know, that little, like, stick with, like, the thing attached to it, and they come walking out the door, like, you know. And they go out the door, and very quickly they realize that their own strength isn't good enough. And they end up turning their way back to their parents, to the people that they depend on. Because ultimately we're wholly dependent beings that are trying to live independently. We were created as dependent people. But we've, always, we've never liked that. We've always tried to go off and do it our own way. And Jesus, God knows that more than anyone else. That he looks at us and goes, you're not going to make it far doing this by yourself. So what he does is he knocks us off our pedestal by maybe taking things away from us that we've put our strength in, we've put our hope in, knocking our pride down a bit, bringing us to a place where we lack everything, where we accept that we are unworthy, where we accept that we are lost, where we accept we are broken, because that is who we are. But he does that not so that we can sit and wallow in that misery or in that you know, understanding of ourselves, he gets us from that place to this low place so that he can then invite us to his place. Because ultimately he's going to say, if you want to be fulfilled, don't do it on your own way. Let's get to a place where you accept that all you can rely on, all you need is Jesus. And then watch, when you've accepted that, how you're lifted up with him. You're lifted up.
to a place where you're a child of God, where you're ambassadors of Christ, where you're a royal priesthood. Not because you got there yourself, but because you accepted you lacked everything. And then God could lift you to that place. And you know the beautiful thing about this? Is that when we do it with God, we're actually lifted to a higher place than we could have ever gone ourselves. Because we're ultimately fulfilled. We're ultimately saved. We ultimately find our happiness. We find our joy in him. And what Jesus does is he knocks down our pride. He knocks us from our place where we think that we're all this gets us to this place here and he invites us to him to abide with him to follow him but this also comes a place where how do we accept that invitation how do we accept that invitation because what I find interesting is that the rich man didn't accept that invitation that actually Jesus had knocked him off his pedestal gotten him to this place offered for him to be invited with God to follow Jesus to abide with him to be lifted up with him but he didn't do it what if he did what if he'd said yes what if he'd chosen to lay everything down that he'd put his strength in that he'd made him independent what could have happened to him? Because what we understand about this rich man is that he actually went away sad. He didn't go away angry. He didn't go away just kind of like, oh, whatever. He went away sad. Why did he go away sad? Why did he go away sorrowful? I think the, the sad reality of that is he actually knew the right way. He addressed Jesus as good teacher. That was a phrase exclusively left for God. So this man knew Jesus was, whether he was God, he was, you know, on the right track. So he knew what he had to say was right. He knew that leaving everything behind was the right thing to do and follow him, but he loved his life. He loved his independence too much that even when he was brought down to this low place, he thought, well, it's going to be hard for me to go there. I'm going to try and turn back and do it again in my own strength. And we contrast that with the disciples and how they responded to Jesus. Because what we actually see in this passage of Scripture is that when Jesus invites this rich man to follow him, follow me, that actual invitation is pretty much exclusively reserved was reserved for that rich man, and the only other people who really received that invitation were the disciples. But the disciples did follow Jesus. Why? Because they actually recognized that there was no pedestal for them to stand on by themselves. They recognized that they lacked, were lost, were broken, were sinful, and were therefore needed everything and were desperate for Jesus. 
we see that when Jesus, we see this in place where Jesus invites Peter and Andrew to be his followers. What do they say? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. That actually God can only do so much. He can only knock us off our pedestal so much. He can only bring us down so much. But to actually be truly humble, humility is actually only instigated in a response from us alone. Where when we're knocked down from that place, are we going to turn back to our independence, our ways, the things we put our strength in, try and find that fulfillment there? Or do we actually get to a point where we can just fall at the knees? And surrender. Accept. Lord, I'm a broken, sinful, unworthy person. And Jesus says, yes, you are. And I see how desperate you are for me. But I'm not going to leave you in that place. Come follow me. Find your strength in me. Find your hope in me. Put your trust in me and I will exalt you for the humble shall be exalted I will exalt you to this high place if I can invite the band up that would be great so how will we respond church how do we respond to that Maybe you're in this place and maybe you've been trying to do things in your own strength, in your own independence, for too long. And maybe you've come here today and you're feeling unfulfilled, you're feeling that there's something missing. And maybe before today, everything within you has been striving to work it out yourself, like the rich man was. Striving to get there yourself. Well, maybe I'll put more effort into, you know, my prayer life, or I'll do more stuff to do this, or I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. But I think Jesus is here to say, you can't do anything yourself to get there, like he said to the rich man. But what you can do is come off your pedestal, accept and recognize that you lack, you're lost, you're broken, that you need everything, and come desperate to me. So why don't we all bow our heads, close our eyes. Maybe that's you in this place and you've actually never known that there's this person, Jesus, who can actually fulfill your life. Who can lead you to that place. And maybe Jesus is saying to you right now through his spirit, stop striving. Stop doing this your own way. because your strength will fail you and maybe you're at a place here where your strength has failed you or 
things you've put your dependence on has let you down. And you're coming here going, where do I go next? And Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Because there's nothing else that matters. None but Jesus. None but me. And he invites us to follow him. He invites us to accept him as Lord and Savior, to abide in him. So if that's you in this place, and maybe you've been feeling unfulfilled, maybe you've been feeling like you've been putting all your effort into your career or effort into a relationship or all your effort into whatever it may be, and you've just not been feeling fulfilled, and Jesus is saying, I can fulfill you, I can lift you. But first, you're going to have to surrender it all to me. Give your life to me. Give what you've put your worth, what you've put first. Get off your pedestal and come to me desperate. And follow me. Make me Lord of your life. Put me first. If that's you in this place, I'd really appreciate it if you could just raise your hand. also maybe you are on the journey of following Jesus and you do follow God but maybe we've gone through a season where we've forgotten or neglected why we've been favoured and how we've been favoured and we've turned and thought we've done it ourselves and maybe we need to turn back to Jesus as well maybe we need to come off our pedestal and maybe we need to humble ourselves before God and accept I'm broken, I'm sinful I'm desperate for you. I need you. I need none but Jesus. Nothing else in this world matters. Help me, Lord, to turn to you again and put all my faith and trust and hope in you. And if that's you in this place, why don't you raise your hand as well? Thank you. Why don't we pray together? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry that I try and do things my own way. I'm sorry that I've gone it alone. But I accept that I need you. I accept that I'm lost without you. So I humble myself. I come off my pedestal and turn to you. I'm desperate for you. So Jesus, come and live in my life. Help me to abide with you. And be Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. And answer your call. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think it'd be really great if we could just sing none but Jesus again.
And maybe there's still some business God needs to do in this place with some of you. Maybe we need to get to a posture where we recognize that we're lost and we lack. Maybe we need to surrender some things to God. Surrender some things that we've maybe been dependent on, that we've put our trust in to Jesus and accept. None of that matters. I count that as garbage if it means that I can't know you. Because there is none but Jesus. All my delight is in you, Lord. All of my hope, all of my strength. Not in myself, not in my pride, not in the things of this world, but it's in you. Because I accept that none of that matters. That I'm broken and I need you. And so when you call me to places, you call me to people, you call me to things that none of my pride, none of my independence gets in the way because I accept each day anew that you are my daily bread. You are my provision. You are my source. I need you. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.